Hello, it's Personal Effects. I'm Warren. I'm Alex. So today we're talking to Jonah Matrenga. He was in this band called Far, kind of like Sunny Day Real Estate, but more of a more of a heavy metal vibe. More of an edge. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they broke up, and that was a bummer until Jonah started touring solo as One Line Drawing, and he came to Santa Fe, where I grew up, and played a show, and my band was asked to open. Uh, it was one of the best nights of my high school career. I think it's imperative that you include the name of your band. <laughs> my band was called Nectar. Um, we thought we were like a hardcore band, but listening back to it, like we were just straight up grunge. Like you thought you were Fugazi, but you were Bush. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking gross. <laughs> When you reached out to him, did he remember? Were you like, hey, I'm Warren from Nectar? <laughs> no, he did not. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's exciting. I got to talk to this guy who is, for all intents and purposes, one of my idols. So here it is. I'm Jonah. I've been in a million bands and made music for my whole adult life. All I remember is that it was a really long drive. It's probably a Walmart or Kmart or something like that. I'm sure I was exhausted and delirious, and that is always a time when moods can be very high or very low, and it made me laugh to see the little R2, which is why I got it. I would walk around with R2 on my shoulder like Radio Rahim and do the right thing playing, uh, playing 80s hip-hop. That was, that, was its, that was its function in my life at that point. It was just sort of basically a security to blanket. Um, and then you could press the buttons to make the... Yeah. So there's one. And then there's the, the sad one. Where he's sort of mournful or, you know, either affectionate or sad or both. And then there's the, of course, the, uh, the, the scream when he's hurt. Oh my goodness. So that little scream, I would use that when drunk monster magnet or some other metal band fan would come up to me and and tell me i rocked or tell me i sucked or whatever it was they were trying to do so i would i would press the scream button and that was my that was my uh drunk metalhead repellent at the time you guys were were on the metal circuit pretty much right we but were. you guys were looking back you guys were kind of one of the more emotional metal bands was there a lot of conflict with the other metal fans um i mean there wasn't conflict i mean they hated us they would call me all sorts of you know essentially homophobic epithets i'd probably start some shit once in a while but it it never really amounted anything it was just talking shit from the stage I guess it would have been in 99 when I was starting to play solo shows. If I was leaving my band, my marriage had dissolved. I was, I didn't know how I was going to make money. I think it was specifically at a place called Luna's in Hollywood. I was going to play a show and I didn't want to be another dude with a guitar. And I want, and I like, I've always liked beats and stuff. And so I put these little beats together as a goof. 
And so I just, I decided that rather than bring a mini disc player with me or a CD player, whatever it was I was going to bring to play the beats back, I'd put them on a cassette and stick them in the R2-D2. And then the R2-D2 would play the beats and it would look as if this little R2-D2 was playing a drum beat, which was pretty funny um, to me. But, it, you know, was, I didn't really know whether anyone else would think it was funny. It was just more for my benefit. But I was very surprised as to how many people were so excited at the illusion that R2 was a drummer. And then I would, you know, use those noises to have little conversations with him on stage. But again, I was clearly pressing a button. It wasn't as though the robot was actually responding to me. Hello from R2. Hello from me. This is a Jawbox song. It's called Savory. People really enjoy the illusion. They really wanted to sort of have it be a fun little game, and so it turned into a thing. <laughs> it was, to begin with, an $8 clearance cassette deck, so it, it sounded horrible. I mean, it just sounded you know, unbelievably lo-fi. The headphone jack sucked and it crackled all the time and the little speaker on top of the R2 that I would literally have it mic'd sometimes and it was, you know, a tiny little like transistor radio speaker. When I started playing musical elements to my beats, I discovered that the cassette player would was, was kind of warped or whatever and the pitch would be fucked up. So I had to not use cassettes in it. So then what I would do is I would use one of those little things you put in your car cassette player to... to put your iPhone in your, your CD, whatever yeah, it is, you know. Cassette adapters. Um, cassette adapters. So I would put one of those in R2 and then put the other end in a, I believe at first it was a mini disc player, like literally one of those little mini disc things, this passing technology, going into the tape deck. So I'd still be pressing play on the tape player, but all that was doing was just turning on the, the, the mini disc player. And then I would still press the buttons, but eventually, yeah, the original R2's button stopped working after a fall and... The tape deck quit entirely after a while. So then I would really just have a mini disc player or a Walkman or whatever next to the R2. So the R2 had no part in anything, but it was still there <laughs> being this this little talisman. That, and people would still be excited about the idea that it was making beats. So how long did you perform with them? Well, I would say about 10 years. There was a while where where it was with me all the time. Um, every show, part of the deal. I had a little sequined blanket that I'd put on whatever table I'd sit him on, and sometimes I'd drape it over him to kind of unveil him. For the most part, the audience reaction was positive to R2, but what was the critics' reaction? Well, yeah, one of the reasons that I stopped working with R2 <laughs> is... Uh, is that some, yeah, some critics started to sort of treat it as if it was me trying to, like, using it as a marketing scheme or as a, I don't know, just some sort of, th that I was doing it as a strategy. And it was just one of these things that had started in the most innocent, ridiculous way. There are some people that were definitely overthinking it, and and their overthinking included imagining that I was I was really counting on it to uh, to really make me famous or something. Like people thought it was a shtick? Well, yeah, and it was, but it was a silly shtick, but people thought it was me 
trying to be hip somehow, which to me, when I thought of it, and still when I think of it, it just seems like the least hip thing in the world. But yeah, I think people thought of it as like that I was trying to be very cutesy and trying to be uh, tap into some sort of, um, well, I think what it was, honestly, is that this sort of hyper sincere, you know, essentially emo thing was, had gotten really popular. And it was a strange situation for me because I had always been that way. When I fronted far, I was still that way. And so it was strange to have this thing that just I was doing naturally become so in fashion that then people who didn't know my history thought that I was trying to latch onto some trend that I guess in a way I'd sort of created for better or for worse. Did it give you complicated feelings about R2 itself? Um, no. I didn't know people were going to love it as much as they were. And then I certainly didn't know that anyone was going to care about it and try and analyze why I why I had it. It was never anything to analyze at all. So, yeah, no, I did not get irrationally attached to my R2-D2, wherein I started having jealousy for it or something. I mean, jokingly, I, I talk shit all the time from the stage and talk about that, you know, R2's got a drug problem or the man... Like, when, when I would start to not bring it as much and people would ask, I would make up all these crazy stories about... Uh, you know, that, that he was asking for too much money and, you know, all that stuff. So if you listen to my shows, you'd think I was having a really, you know, problematic time with emotionally, but no, I was definitely not in real life. Was there a negative reaction when you stopped bringing R2 around? <laughs> I think so, actually. I really do. Um, I'm not sure. I think in a lot of ways it dovetailed with me kind of pulling back from doing as much touring as I was doing and um, you know my daughter was growing up so I don't know but it is kind of funny that when I stopped going around with R2 as much it it, it did seem like my career nosedived so you know you never know it could have just been that <laughs> and I mean you know years later people still still at shows ask where's R2 I mean especially when I play a song with, with one of the beats on or with his noises you know because I still play songs with you know, I still play Smile, the song that I have that I made a little R2-D2 solo. I made a little guitar solo out of those noises I played you. People still ask where where R2 is, um, and, and so I jokingly say, you know, R2 is in our hearts. Um, or, you know, just close your eyes and think of R2, and then I play the song. I mean, um, so, but no, it's still on people's minds. I think probably it, it was a bad career move for me to stop playing with the robot. Do you still have the original R2-D2? I do. The original does not make noises. I think I left it on top of a car or somewhere, and eventually it made its way back to me. I'm not, I can't even remember how, quite honestly. But in the meantime, people gave me replicas of it. Um, like fans? Yeah, yeah. I've gotten so many cool, sweet, strange little gifts over the years. And because of R2, I have, I mean, aside from having, you know, replicas of the actual tape deck R2 um, that I've received, I've also received tons of other types of R2, paintings of R2, pictures of R2. retired R2, you also retired uh, the name One Line Drawing. Well, in both cases, people were just starting to assign a little too much value 
as far as I could tell. I mean, in hindsight, honestly, emo was getting really big, and that was fine with me. I didn't really care about the label so much, but it seemed like people were starting to really have expectations for what the show was going to be. Maybe they'd heard about it. They'd either heard about, oh, this guy plays a robot, or something I've always really wanted is for people to not come expecting anything, to just come ready for something surprising. But yeah, so when both ideas became more of a brand than an idea, I got less interested in them. See, this is the thing. I'm interested in the moment in the show where the string breaks or when the chaos occurs, because that's when I think the show gets interesting usually. Um, and so I try to have that feeling all the time at my shows. So R2 was like instant that. It just it was never not that way with a robot by my side. Um, no matter what serious song I had just sung, I could then press the button and you know, the world would be different. I've got R2-D2 pepper shakers. I've got, you know, I mean, I've just got so many weird little R2-D2. I've got R2-D2 keychains. I've got one over here. I'm not even sure what it is. Actually, I think it's just a, I guess, oh, well, no. Oh, yeah, this is another one that makes noise. Oh, yeah, press its chest and it goes. Aww. And then... Then that one, same thing as the big one. It's, it's just, it never ends, so it probably never will end. I will probably be on my deathbed, and people will bring R2s and put them on my gravestone. Like, that's actually... Do you think your... Is your gravestone going to be an R2-D2? <laughs> See, I won't choose that, but if, if, if ever I have the thing where, like, anyone that cared about the music or me, like, comes to put flowers or whatever, there will be a fan that comes and puts a little R2. I'm sure that's true, actually. I'm never going to stop getting R2 gifts. You had mentioned that you were kind of thinking about maybe bringing R2 back on the road with you. Yeah, no, I, th I think I'm going to do it. What I can't decide right now, honestly, is whether I bring the one with the old stickers on it and stuff that doesn't make any noises or the one that's new that makes the noises. Because I kind of feel like I, I do want him to at least do the bleep loops. Certainly, I'm humble enough to realize that most people that cared about me, they remember me with the robot. I don't really, I don't really care about any of this. Like, I really, really don't. Um, I love it, and it's fun, and, and you know, life is meaningless, and that's wonderful. So I think any time you can make someone scratch their head, you're doing a good thing in the world. So I don't know about all this Phantom Menace stuff, but R2 still rocks, and he's going to be up here a little bit tonight. He's been a little bit cranky lately, so... We'll see what we can do, and I got a backup plan if he fails me, but meanwhile, um... Thanks so much to Jonah for sharing his story with us. And for sharing all the music in that episode. Really appreciate it, dude. If you ever come to Seattle... We'll be there. Front row big signs saying thank you Jonah <laughs> <laughs> Jonah is also currently writing a book that should be out I think he said this summer it's a memoir it's a memoir and it's an album so be on the lookout for that um, I can't believe that thinking of R2 wasn't the first thing that popped in my mind when we had the idea for this show I am curious if you d if you had to pick one 
Star Wars character to be in a band with, who would it be? Oh, Lobot. You know who Lobot is? Uh-uh. He's Lando's helper. He's this bald white guy who has like, he has like male pattern baldness, but where the hair would be in the horseshoe ring, mm-hmm. it's like robot gunk that's just around his head. <laughs> what would he play? Oh, I don't know. I imagine he'd just plug into an amp. Oh, he would plug his body yeah, into an he's amp? Yeah, he's an android. He's huh. a cybernetic being. <laughs> I would start a band with Princess Leia, like a Riot Girl kind of band. <gasps> you love Leia. I love Leia. <laughs> I don't love Leia. I love Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. She is a Riot Girl. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you guys, this is our second to last pen ultimate episode you love saying that i love that word you're like (laughs) guess what word i know penultimate so thanks for sticking with us we got one more episode left in the season and if you have any ideas please let us know (laughs) yeah well yeah you Um, can email us at personal effects podcast at gmail.com or facebook us at facebook.com slash personal effects podcast or tweet at us at PFX Podcast. Cast. Yeah. PFX Podcast. It would be great if people would rate and review us on iTunes. Oh, yeah. I would keep saying that, but no one does it, so. Yeah, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, until next time. Sign our suckers. Mm-hmm.